0: Every single one of us has a life worth paying attention to. All of us have intersections found at the heart of who we are. Join us as we try to be grateful for the gift of every person we encounter. Each of us has a rich and powerful story. Hello, friends. My name is Chrissy Reeves Pendergrass. And I'm Adam Baker. This is Instructions for Living a Life, a podcast about the stories found where faith, hope, love, and mental health connect. Good morning, friends. This is Adam Baker, and welcome to Instructions for Living a Life, the podcast where we explore stories at the intersections of faith, hope, love, and mental health. I am here this morning with my increasingly and incredibly patient friend, Dan Johnson. Daniel, it is good to be with you, brother. Thanks for joining me.
1: Hey, thank you so much for having me, man. I appreciate it. So, friends,
0: approximately twenty-four minutes ago is when we were supposed to start recording this, <laughs> and uh, and and we've been we've been working our way through uh, technical difficulties. But such is the podcasting life. So I'm grateful for sure. Grateful for you hanging on. Oh um, yeah, I I was talking with you earlier, and I uh, remembered um, that this is pretty much the second time you and I have had actual. Like, I'm seeing you and talking with you, and you, I'm hearing your voice kind of conversation, right?
1: Yeah, I think so.
0: Yeah. We have, we have a, it, uh, I guess I'm going to sound like such an old man, but <laughs> we've got a modern friendship in the sense that we, we met on Facebook in a group and have become good friends, actually playing a band together. And yeah. Um, and uh, I've just been looking forward to, and we've been working to try and make this connection happen for instructions for a while. So, for sure. I uh, really appreciate you coming and being a part of this, but could you tell um, yeah. everybody who's listening kind of more about who you are and where you are and, and, uh, and what brings you to the podcast this morning?
1: Um, yeah, sure. Uh, so yeah, I am from Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, and uh, I was born and raised here, but had a few detours along the way. Yeah, I have a, a a bachelor's in linguistics and a master's in applied linguistics. Um, and uh, my wife and I have been married for almost 16 years. We have three kids. Uh, two of them were born while we were in South Korea for almost four years. I don't know. I don't know what to say <laughs>
0: No, no, that's fine. The, I'm, I'm particularly fascinated. I think I knew that you had spent time in South Korea, but I, could you tell me more about that and linguistics applied linguistics is I'm assuming like language and the use of language or tell us more about that.
1: Yeah. It's just the broad general study of language. Right. And, um, you know, like, I think like certain programs, um, you know, the, the word linguistics can mean so many things at so many different universities. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, of course it's a broad field of study. So. Within that, there's uh, all kinds of specializations. And so if I had a, on my linguistics degree is from the University of Cincinnati. Um, if I had got it from OSU, it could have looked completely different. Um, and it's in, in Cincinnati, they really focused on historical linguistics, which would be how language uh, developed and branched off over time. Uh, and then it usually just ends up being whatever your professors specialize in. That's what you mm-hmm. learn. And I had a professor who was fluent in Old English. And so I had a whole course on old English and, you know, that's the kind of thing that you quickly learn. Like obviously old English is not Shakespeare. It's basically unintelligible to, to us as English speakers, uh, Shakespeare's early modern English. Um, and, you know, it sounds more like Gaelic or whatever. Uh, but like, you're not going to get an old English class at most linguistics course uh, uh, degrees because most people don't know it. Um, and then Applied Linguistics is just more, it's like a TESOL degree, basically. It's about how language is learned and developed. Um, What's TESOL? I'm sorry, teaching English to speakers of other languages. Oh, okay. Yeah, so if someone got a, a an ESL degree or a TESOL degree, uh, it'd be similar to a teacher working on that, but it's a lot more um, theory than practicum uh so that's like so it's a lot more about like well what are what are the best ways to learn and what have what has been learned through research over the years in terms of the the most uh efficacious ways to uh help someone develop a language
0: was that what you were doing in south korea
1: yeah so uh it wasn't really like it wasn't that wasn't like the plan um And linguistics wasn't the plan either. Uh, I had studied Japanese in high school uh, through a complete fluke. Mm. I was in a very, uh, probably more, almost more rural than suburban um, school district. And, uh, you know, of course my school offered uh, Spanish and French. And then literally when I became a freshman or when I was, when I was, Heading into high school as a freshman, they started this pilot program to teach Japanese and German, and uh, so then I took Japanese for three years, and it like I just loved it. I just I just loved learning it, um, and I would have taken it for four years, but the program ended my th- after my third year. Oh no! It, <laughs> it, just, it was it truly was a get pilot. <laughs> yeah, it, uh. it, it it truly was a pilot program, and it wasn't really very successful it was um like what everyone's doing right now this is what i was actually doing in 1999 uh, in terms of distance learning so this was sure like proto distance learning where we had a japanese teacher she was chinese and by the time she was chinese teaching japanese and by the time we um the class ended she was certified to teach spanish uh so fascinating it, it was <laughs> It was crazy. Um, and so like, uh, we, we were d- school districts with two high schools and we had to, the two high schools had to share her as a teacher during the week. And so, it, you know, if this week was Monday, Wednesday, Friday, she was in our classroom Tuesday, Thursday, she was at the other high school and then she was on a screen at the front of our room mm-hmm. and, she, and, and, uh, teaching us from the other high school using a document camera that was being blasted to us. Um, which was all like super high tech then. Uh, and so it, yeah, just that, that sparked a lifelong love of language. Um, and then, and then in college, it was like, I don't really, I didn't really know what I even wanted to do, but I remembered that I liked Japanese. And so, uh, UC University of Cincinnati didn't offer a Japanese degree, but linguistics was kind of the closest thing. So I actually got a a (laughs) minor in Asian studies and a bachelor's in linguistics. I'm kind of crafted my own Japanese degree. And then we ended up in South Korea. So that made sense. What a journey,
0: man. That's awesome. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So Yeah, yeah, go ahead.
0: No, I was just saying, I, I absolutely Adore and am fascinated by people who uh, engage language in, in a complex way. Um, my my father is an Old Testament and Semitic languages professor, and so he he teaches Hebrew and Ugaritic and a bunch of stuff like that. And yeah. that like I don't know where I missed out of, yeah. <laughs> on them those abilities to, to kind of think logistically and in, in a complex way about language. But It just it doesn't connect in my brain. So sure. um, you know, you and and some other friends um who are just very gifted in that way like it's it's a pretty beautiful thing well
1: i don't i don't want to deceive you i'm not i would not say i'm fluent in any other language including japanese um i which is frustrating to me uh and kind of embarrassing with my degrees but i'd have a decent ability in it um but yeah not not anywhere where i'd like to be so sure sure there's always room for improvement
0: how does all of that um, kind of inform where you are currently and and not just vocationally, but um, I know that one of the things you wanted to chat about today was the writing of story and um, kind of using language to explore yourself and family history and things like that. Does, does your, do your degree, does that background kind of influence where you are professionally and personally right now?
1: Uh, That's a really good question. Uh, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say like, it has to, you know, whether I want it to or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, like vocationally, I'm not, uh, like utilizing my degrees currently. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of spending more time writing, I think it, it definitely permeates that, uh, you know, it's not like the the stories I'm trying to tell right now aren't like about learning language or things sure. like that. Sure, but uh, but absolutely, like you know, it's just informing. It's just inform my vocabulary. Informed it does inform the way that I I write. Obviously, just uh, it's because it's informed how I engage with with language, written or spoken. You know, like I I'm a four. On the on Enneagram. The Enneagram. Yep. Yeah. And like, uh,
0: what does that look like for you? Because there are some people yeah. listening who absolutely are like, Oh, Oh, okay. Yeah. I get, I get it. And there's <laughs> other people who are like, what, come on. What is the four? does your fourness look like?
1: Yeah. I, it, okay. I, just real quick. I'm not trying to get on too many tangents here. And so <laughs> that's I'm fine. Followed, we run a trail here
0: all the time. So, okay. it's
1: okay. <laughs> well, just, uh, you know, uh, to back up a little bit, it took me like almost 18 months to even figure that out. Uh, which again, I'm not sure why, but maybe that's also embodies my part of my fourness. Uh, in that like, I just can't, I have a very hard time sticking to something or like, <laughs> or, or uh, boxing myself in on something, you know? Um. So like, I first, I thought I was a two. I'm like, yeah, I like helping people. Um, And then it was like, well, no, I don't like, not like, uh, I don't, I'm not like, I'm not hospitable per se, you know, like, (laughs) and then, uh, then it was like, oh, well, maybe I'm a a nine, Mm -hmm. right? Is that Peacemaker? Yes, that's Peacemaker. Yeah, Yeah, I was like, okay, I get that. And then I was like, no, I like arguing on the internet too much, which, you know. (laughs) But, but my, my friend, he said like, he heard on a podcast one time, like nines are, are slow to start and then they taper off. And then I was like, oh man, that like hit me in my heart. I was like, that sounds like me. So, (laughs) you know, of course there's, there's plenty of overlap. Um, And then I was like, well, maybe I'm a seven. Like I'm like, I've known those people and I've hung with those people and I can hang with those people. And like, you know, sometimes sure. I like being like I'm an ENFP as well. So I'm like, yeah, I think, you know, I like being the center of attention, but like I'm too sad for that. Like, (laughs) and then so I was like, um, like, and then finally the thing that clicked for me for four was like, fours are super nostalgic, nostalgic. And I was like, oh man, whoa, 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 whoa. Are you kidding? Like that is. One of the ways that I would, you know, like one of the main ways that I would describe myself and then and then just the engaging with things creatively was something I was already doing, but I was like, oh, it's too on the nose if I'm just a four, but then fours are always trying to be different. So then I was trying Mm -hmm. to not be a four. Which I think is pretty typical with, with that, right? Yeah, that's as
0: <laughs> as a two who is strongly a four as well. <laughs> like I have a lot of empathy yeah, right go. now.
1: So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well I, yeah, fa- I forget you, why I even brought that up. I'm sorry. I was just gonna say No, it's okay with, with language. I was just gonna say, you know, like obviously language as a tool is is a is a primary tool for for creation and for creativity, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so uh, I think that was something that always drew me to it—to be able to see the beauty and in, in the patterns in it. But also that—that that it's not just a science; it's also an art. Um, mm-hmm. Was was kind of what drew me into it, and was like this—this this fits in with with everything else that that gives me life. You know,
0: it's also the primary way that we encounter and share and process our own history and the history of other people. Um, and, and so that taps really deeply into the nostalgia bit. Um, yeah, for sure. A, a really kind of, um, how do I remember, not just in my own kind of head, but I remember and shape my own history through the communication of my story. And I use language to do that. Um, yeah. And it's been used in so many different ways over over the course of time by people. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I, I want to I hear more um, and I, I I know a little bit about what you're wanting to talking about today, but um, I, I'd love to hear more just about how you are using uh, language um, to tell some story uh, from your own family journey. If you don't, if you don't mind sharing more about that,
1: yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so so you know, and uh, well, can I ask you a question real quick?
0: Oh, by all means, yeah. <laughs> This is great. I'm normally asking questions. So I love to, I love to respond in kind.
1: Good. I wanted to, I just, I I got stuck on the, uh, the subtitle for the, for the podcast. Yeah. What is it again?
0: Oh, like our, our byline, like the (laughs) the instructions for living a life, uh, yeah. uh, Stories from the intersections of faith, hope, love, and mental health.
1: Okay. I was just going to ask you like, what, what kind of life? Oh, Instructions for Living Life? Like, yeah, Instructions um, for Living well, a Life.
0: It's taken from the Mary Oliver poem of the same name. And okay. it's uh, really just a, it's a call to, um, to, to stop, to pause, to pay attention, and to sort of when, when she talks about delighting in, in memory or nostalgia or language, she's not necessarily saying like, that it's always a good and pleasant thing but just to to pay attention to Mm. your life. Um, And that's how you live is to actually take the time to be aware of who you are, where you've come from and where you're leaning into. Um, And so that's why we thought it was kind of a fitting name for this.
1: I like it. It's actually super short. I just looked it up. Yeah, that's great. Uh, That's, and that, that actually the the last part, the last line was tell about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, I think this actually ties in nicely. So, Back in 2011 I gave a TED talk, a TEDx talk uh in Oh like a real a TEDx talk? I did actually. Yeah.
0: That's so awesome. Oh wow. Okay.
1: <laughs> in South Korea. Yeah. Um and it was TEDx Itaewon which is a subdivision or like a uh part of Seoul. It's just Seoul. And mm-hmm. um, and um you know I I am no expert on literally anything. Um I just happened to know the guy who organized it and he for some reason thought I should do that. Uh, you know, who knows if it was the right call. Uh, but the, uh, the theme of the, the TEDx event was what drives you. Mm -hmm. And like that just did literally nothing for me as, as a prompt, uh, because I couldn't separate it from, you know, what drives you is, is the language is, is to me, corporate language of like, you know, what drives you to be successful in trying to climb the corporate ladder or whatever. And so like, I know that obviously you can take that other ways, but for me, it was just like, I couldn't get past that. I was like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what I could even say about it because I'm not, that's not how I'm oriented. Um, And then, but then I just settled on, you know, like, Yeah. What does drive me in life in general or what uh, what is what is of core importance to me Um, and settled on on like slightly adapting the verses in Galatians about knowing and being known.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I could definitely be wrong with my reference there. You might be able to correct me. But yeah. But that's what I settled on was that, you know, what drives me is, is being known or sorry, knowing, knowing others and, and being mm-hmm. known by them. Um, and so it, it basically turned into a sermon. Um, and, you know, again, I don't know if that's what they were looking for, but that's uh, what they got. <laughs> yeah, yep. That's what they got. And, um, and so just bringing that up because then the, the way that I talked about and the way that I made myself known during that speech was, was talking about the things that were important to me and then realizing that the things that were important to me were the things that were important to my parents. Hmm. Um, Yeah. Anyway, just uh, so, you know, for my mom, she is very hospitable. Um, She's probably a one or a two, you know, like I I do see that, you know, and it's very important for her. She's still friends with girls that she went to grade school with and they still meet monthly. And that is like very important to her and that's lived out in every part of her life that she um, deeply needs that kind of connection. Uh, and I, I just think that's so amazing. Uh, and, and just that's that's something that's in me as well. Um, and then, you know, with my dad and in, in her too, I, I don't want to discount her uh, love for music, but for my dad, it was his, his love of music that has uh, clearly been passed on to me like probably just way too personal. I don't know. But like, that was like, my parents were getting divorced then. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad was, was coming, uh, coming to this point in his life where he was very much spiraling into, um, a steady depressive state. And like, I, you know, same kind of thing where like, I didn't really know how to handle it, but talking about it was, was one way to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and making myself known that way, what made sense to me. Um, and again, that was, that was, uh, 10 years ago at this point. Um, and, and my dad's passed away at this point. Uh, and there's, uh, you know, things that have come out, uh, since then, things that I learned at the time about his life that just, um, completely changed my, my view of, of, uh, what I what I thought was my upbringing, what I thought was my family mm-hmm. history, what I thought was was um, the life that I had lived, and realized, you know, maybe it was something different, or maybe it's the same, and I just engage with it differently. I don't know, like I don't know, but that's that's kind of yeah, that's that's kind of uh, part of it, and that there's obviously more to tell there. Yeah, sorry, I'm <laughs> losing no. my train of thought.
0: No, no, it's fine. I, I, I'm just, uh, yeah. I, I, I'm feeling a a pretty specific degree of sympathy for you in the sense that, like, um, I'm 43, yeah, and who my concept of what family and safety and community looked like when I was 16 is drastically different than now. Sure. Um, some of the same people are involved with that. Sure. Um. Some of them are definitely not, yeah. which at, at 16 would have horrified me to think that some people that I knew and loved then are, are not safe people now, you know?
1: Yes, um, absolutely. And it's just
0: interesting to kind of think about that that journey, which I don't think is always tragic. It's just really strange to grow up, I mean, to, to yeah. kind of recognize <laughs> like the humanity of other people. Um, yeah. Oftentimes, members of our own family or or friends, and um, to give yourself permission to say, "Let me be honest about them and about myself at different points." Um And yeah. it can it can be painful and beautiful at the same time. So.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, part of the reason uh, we were going to talk was just that um, in my dad's passing, there was a lot of uh, a ton of mixed emotions for me in that. Um. And it's, uh, I wasn't sure how to process everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I finally, as I learned more and engaged more with uh, the, the true story of his life, uh, I was like, uh, I just feel like this is a story worth telling. Mm-hmm. And why, why not me being the one to tell it? And so I started writing a screenplay about mm-hmm. his life. Mm -hmm. Um, and I you know the the reason I settled on that rather than a a short story or a novel or uh, like a family history is that (laughs) I I always had uh, I just immediately had a a, an opening and a closing scene in my mind Mm
0: -hmm.
1: that were very visual Mm -hmm. and so I just went with it Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm certainly uh, well Guess I am now, but I was. I'm not a. I'm not someone who would like call myself a writer. Like even like the creative part. Like for the longest time, I like felt stupid if someone called me a creative or something like that. I'm like, well, who am I to like adorn myself with that label? Hmm. Um, But it is just. It is at the the intersection of everything that at least gives me life. So (laughs) whatever you know uh yeah so i started writing a screenplay to to kind of deal with that and um that was about two years ago and i just now finished up a, a, a decent draft of it and it was uh it was extremely cathartic to do That's so. So, so
0: i was just about to ask what was finishing that like for you yeah and the and the process of it you said yeah cathartic. it was
1: it was unreal yeah uh it was just unbelievable um you know, like I I, uh, I I, have no illusion about my ability to my incredible ability to, to start things and my incredible inability to finish them. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it was not something I was ever very certain that I would actually finish. Um, and yeah, it was it was it was huge. Uh, it. it It felt great. And, um, you know, it's, it's obviously the kind of thing where over those two years, there were, there were periods of six months where I didn't write a single word, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and some of that was, yeah, not feeling, uh, emotionally ready enough to deal with the next portion or, or whatever it was. Um, but then some of it was just obviously writer's block or laziness or whatever, but, Um, definitely, you know, it was, it was, uh, it was great. It was fun. Um, yeah. And so I, you know, I, 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 uh, I don't know, uh, I know there are all kinds of different ways to to process those kinds of things, but I I would say you know if if uh, if engaging with any kind of creative art is is something that someone does and they're dealing with with something obviously diving into that as a way to process is is, is a huge help in doing so.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it 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 uh the the thing about doing the screenplay was I had to absolutely have to try to, to embody my dad at different points in his life
0: oh is it from like his perspective or it is
1: yeah wow it's it's his story it's not from my perspective because it's his entire life story and i wasn't there for all of it Mm -hmm. um and so yeah so yeah it's all from his perspective uh there's no narrator and um yeah so i just i just had to be like well what would what would this feel like Mm -hmm. if it were me and then think about knowing who my dad was what did it feel like for him
0: oh that's fascinating so it's it's kind of like knowing your father as you did and yeah. then trying to kind of in a way sort of empathically step inside him to think about what could have driven this what was this what was he thinking and feeling wow that's really yeah. powerful yeah can you share a little bit more um i'm, I'm always interested. Both yeah. like the process of discovery about our parents, like, you know, like when I rec- yeah, like, when I realized like at different points in my life, like the humanity of my parents,
1: right. Oh, these are like, not 100,000% perfect, people. perfect people. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, and so like the process of discovery, uh, what that was like for you, but also like there's, there's parts of your dad's life. There's things that have shaped how he yep. engaged you and other people. There's a reason you wanted to write this. And and I'd love to know more about kind of both of those.
1: Yeah. So um, in my mid twenties, uh, I was away at college in Florida. Um, I finished at UC. I started in Florida. My mom called me and she said, "Uh, your dad is in the hospital. And uh, he, uh, I honestly can't even remember exactly what she said. Uh, And this isn't in the film. Uh, But she, but essentially he had tried to to commit suicide. Mm -hmm. Uh, He he had cut his neck. And, um, but the way she phrased it, and this is, this is part of the journey for sure. That like, I uh, had loving parents, but, but like even my relationship with my mom, um, we're a lot closer now, but growing up, like it was hard for both of us to talk to each other Mm -hmm. about things that were uh, close to our heart. And so, like, even we she would write a letter instead of talk to me about it. Um, and so it was hard for her to talk to me about this because uh, what she was also then telling me is that he, that my dad, uh, he survived that suicide attempt. And he, she was then telling me that he was bipolar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he'd been, he had had bipolar disorder uh, since his uh, late teens. And. Uh, I'd never heard that before in my life. And again, I'm in my mid20s. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm just now finding out that for the very first time. So uh, I didn't at that point I, I again had thought I had lived the most milk toast, normal, like great, like not great, like or it was great, but it wasn't like amazingly fantastic, you know, and it wasn't amazingly awful. Just had like a normal, totally normal upbringing. Mm-hmm had the most normal family, two parents, two kids. um, And, and like uh, I didn't have any context for that not being what my life was. Uh, Dan,
0: could you just not to interrupt, but
1: could you talk more about
0: um, like any diagnosis is a spectrum of symptoms? Like it's not always the same for everybody. What, What sort of symptomology did your dad present with along the way?
1: yeah so so the reason this i was finding this out at this point is that uh for the past 40 years of his life he had taken lithium to regulate
0: mm, okay uh
1: and re- lithium is toxic mm-hmm. to the human body uh our kidneys can't process it properly so what happens is at some point if you are in lithium regularly at a decent dosage uh, at some point, your kidneys are going to start to fail. And that's what the doctor had told my dad. The point was that, you know, uh, if he continued to take lithium, then he was going to renal failure and he had to be on da- dialysis for the rest of his life. He didn't want to do that. And the doctors were like, oh, well, there's so many other um, drugs that are available that weren't available when you were diagnosed in the late 60s with bipolar, which, mm-hmm. you know, obviously. Uh, and they're like, you know, we'll try those and something will work. And the, the long and the short of it is that nothing ever did besides mm. lithium. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, that's what prompted that, that suicide attempt, but then saying just uh, the way that my dad presented in his bipolar was uh, in my life up to that point, it had not presented at all. Mm. Uh, and so that's, that's where, again, my mom is revealing this to me in my mid twenties and mm-hmm. i completely shocked because but nothing had ever mm-hmm. happened you just had no idea yeah. lithium had actually worked mm-hmm.
0: uh
1: but if that was not available to him then he uh and then i of course saw this in, later in his life what what i did see with lithium was that he was very he was a, a funny man he was he was one of the funniest men i've ever known um but he was also like, he was always very tired. Um, he slept a lot. Mm-hmm. There would be times when he was just very like, n- neither nor, you know, like um but then the the little bit that I did see towards the end of his life once once he was off of lithium is that you know bipolar presented him as as what you typically hear. Uh, he would have extreme bouts of mania where he would swing high and you know be up for 48 hours calling every single person he knows Mm -hmm. telling them all the things that he's going to get done um, doing none of them uh, making uh, irrational choices Um, you know like one time he was mowing the lawn in the rain at 3am you know another time he was remodeling the bathroom through the entire night uh, very loudly um, and then if, if he had that extreme bout of mania, then of course there has to be that response of the, of the swing low where, uh, and this was, this was what was more often uh, is that he'd be in a low depressive state that was just uh, constant and persistent. And, um, you know, if it was after like that mania bout, then if he was up for 40 hours, then he'd be in bed asleep for basically 72 or 96, you know? Um, And then in those uh, depressive swings, he just was not, he just would not engage period. Um, And so that's, uh, that's pretty much it. Um, And uh, yeah.
0: Was it something that it was kind of rapid cycling where he would constantly be in that, or would he have times where he was sort of, more a bit more even keeled between the two
1: yeah it uh you know it was I think there was a progression there where um after first coming off lithium there was a lot of rapid cycling um, and then as as time went on it would be more like low low high low low high and then low mm-hmm. low 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 high low 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 high and it would just it would t- trend more and more towards low Um to the point where, uh, you know, around the time I was giving that TEDx speech, my my brother, my parents had been divorced at that point. My brother, he's older than me. He's now having to get my dad into a nursing facility in his early 60s mm-hmm. where he's m- more than physically capable of taking care of himself. He had just been helping me clean leaves off my roof the, the year before. Um, but but we're having to get into a nursing facility because he's not mentally capable of taking care of himself because he or mentally or emotionally. Um because he is just laying in a bed doing nothing mm-hmm. all day every day.
0: So it was that quick of a change. So like one year to the next was it like that or
1: Yeah, uh you know, it, it could have been I mean, because part of it was was, uh, I mean, it was, it was the impetus for my parents divorced. Um, and so, so it, it spilled over in, in that as well, but there was a point where he was at least still trying. Um, so, you know, it, it, the whole, the whole thing could have been over a couple of years. Okay. Uh, but it was, it wow. was still pretty rapid.
0: Dan, what was that like for you personally? Because that's a huge shift, not just in his life, but it deeply impacts you your perception of your parents like what was that emotional experience like for you to kind of come to grips with this sort of like a new dad right yeah um what was that like
1: yeah um it was hard (laughs) uh it was really hard it was um like, like i said it was something where like even even now i would say like looking back on it I feel like I was not in that moment. I was not understanding the full weight of what was happening, Mm -hmm. Uh, which is weird Um, because, because all the things that were happening were, were very real, uh, you know, had, had dire consequences were, uh, you know, they were serious. And, but, but at the time it just like, I was, my, my mind was, was catching up to what, The reality was even though you know it's not like it was a car crash uh, but it was still rapid enough in in how it was unfolding in my life that uh like fully understanding the weight of what was happening just didn't seem possible then um and so uh it was it was hard so he 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 went in that nursing facility and, and never came out um and was there for almost a decade. Um, and, you know, the 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 thing for me in the time as well was, uh, you know, like uh, in his passing, that was in- incredibly complex for me because in so many ways, I'd already mourned the loss of him, you know. Uh, and so I don't know. I still don't know, you know, uh, what it means to mourn the loss of someone before they died. Uh, like, I don't know what, what the full full weight of the meaning of that is you know
0: i don't know if anybody does my friend
1: sure sure that that is uh
0: the the slowness of tragedy and it hits each of us who go through it in a way that's pretty unique to our situation
1: yeah yeah um and so you know that's that was hard uh for sure um and you know of course in the in in that time where I would be visiting him and uh, you know, there were times where we would come home from Korea. I haven't been in the country for a year and then we go to see him. And as soon as I get there at the the facility, he's just like, okay, I'm tired. I see you later. Um, And that was just devastating. Mm.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, Yeah.
1: yeah, It's just like, why are you doing this? Like, why? But care? and he just wasn't able to and of course at the time that was um not not any kind of grace that i i wanted to give him um and you know not to absolve him either Mm uh but it's complex it's very complex um and that that is some of the stuff that kind of came out in in writing that um you know, uh, trying to understand what it all means. Um, what, what the bigger story is. Um, and, you know, part of, part of that and part of me wanting to tell his entire life story is that th- he had a lot of trauma that happened in his life. Um, and that was really critical for me to understand his, his dad did commit suicide, mm-hmm. uh, when, when my dad was 16, um, in a horrific fashion uh and then and then he then uh in his family life, you know, especially for that to happen in the sixties. Uh you know, people just didn't talk about that stuff then. It's mm-hmm. just it's just true, obviously.
0: He wasn't it's, afforded opportunity to process that there, at there, all.
1: There was there was no opportunity to do that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um and so it's it's critical in telling that story to 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 add that perspective, um, and then you know, like I said, experiencing that or 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 putting myself in his shoes um, just helped me to to empathize more with with his whole journey uh, and, and to understand all the things that may have happened uh, as a result of that and so yeah yeah
0: I'm, I'm just I'm sitting here and thinking uh, while you were experiencing it it was too much to completely be aware of and understand and I think that in some way like our our brains are built to protect us from too much um, we either like wall ourselves off or compartmentalize or other things like that yep. um, when trauma is just too much or when change and transition is too much and yet, um, I think there's something really powerful about this this uh, method of processing your that the trauma, the trauma of what happened, but also recognizing that, like, his life wasn't just trauma. There's also a gift in it, you know. And like, yeah, like for for the majority of your life, you had a father that seemed to make sense, and then he didn't. Yes and uh yeah I'm just I'm I I think there's something really I I, I don't know it's a it's a it's a hard beauty for for me to like sit and and think like wow Dan what what was it just uh, imagining what it's like for you to kind of step into that which you don't understand and then make sense of it in a way that is faithful to who he he was in your experience of him and I I don't know I just I'm do you think it's going to come to to like beyond just the writing of it? Like well <laughs> what what are you what are you thinking what's going to happen next with it?
1: Uh you know I I'm I have every intention to try to see something happen with it. Um, because I do think it's a story worth telling. You know like I just sort of from the other day it's like um you know I, I I think more and more we're understanding these days that everyone has A story worth telling you know um like i look at like humans of new york and it's like Mm -hmm. that is the the entire ethos of it right that anyone that you pass on the street has a story that's worth telling and it's (laughs) true sure and um but but i but i do think uh like i absolutely um I want, I, I would love for this story to be told because I think it's the kind of story that people can see themselves or their loved ones in. And then I think what I wanted to, um, thought about this so much. What I wanted to accomplish, uh, with telling this story was I, I wanted, there was no, there's no, hap, there was no happy ending, you know, <laughs> there, there, there was some closure for me. Um, in 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 my relationship with my dad um prior to his passing but but it's not a happy ending right um and so it's certainly not a blockbuster tie everything up with a bow
0: <laughs>
1: kind of story um you know there's no massive journey there's no massive transformation but that's kind of the point like what i wanted to tell with this story and what i was just another thing i was talking with another friend about is like, um, you know, if 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 you and I and everyone else can just do a little bit better than our parents did, uh, we're not going to get everything right. But if we can just do a little bit better, if we can have those micro growths um, in our lives and, and how we deal with others, how we deal with our children, how mm-hmm. we live out our life, then those those micro things can have a macro effect, right? That, mm-hmm. that, that those small differences actually aren't so small um, that they're actually, they're monumental uh, and they can have monumental effects. Um, and so, you know, what I, what I wanted to tell was that, you know, exactly. My dad, my dad was there for the majority of my life. And for the majority of my life, I did think I had just, you know, a great, childhood and I, I i mean i still did right um and you know he was able to do a little bit better than his dad did um and it still wasn't great like or you know like at the end it still wasn't great <laughs> um or you know there was there were still big negatives as 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 well as the positives um but in doing so uh yeah he he got me to to the point that i'm at and hopefully i can my children a little bit further, um, and that's uh, yeah. Like the again, that kind of movement where it's it's uh, it's not wholly satisfying. It is it is definitely bittersweet, but there is there is sweet with the bitter, right? Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I don't know if that makes sense, but
0: you had talked at the very beginning when I was asking you about linguistics and language and you downplayed your ability to be an expert in that field. And that's, that's (laughs) fair. That's, that's, that's your, um, your prerogative and, and you know yourself better than others in that way. Um, but I'm also, I'm, it, it strikes me that your, your father couldn't and didn't at the time tell his own story. And you're in the process of, of sharing what effectively is you coming to understand your own story by telling his in some way. Like how it's, how because you're, it's your concept of what he's gone through. Like talk about an empathic leap, right? Like into another person. And no one else can do that, Dan. Like no, no one else has the ability to speak the language of your father and you're learning to do that and you're sharing that language with with other people and you want to. So I just want to say that to you friend like you may not think yourself an expert and you may still not consider yourself to be an expert on your father but you but you're speaking a language that no one else can and inviting others to understand it. Yeah. That's pretty that's really powerful. Thanks man. Yeah.
1: Well, uh, can I just share one more anecdote there then?
0: Oh, by by all means, yeah, please.
1: The uh, so uh, after my, my dad's passing, um, again, I'm just toying with the idea of writing the screenplay. At that point, um, you know, pretty confident I'll never finish it. Uh, but then my, uh, my dad passes, and um, I get get what's left of his things from my aunt, um, and and the the other thing that he cared about just as much as music was writing he had a a degree in english um and and his things are just uh like dozens of poems Mm. and uh like song lyrics and just to be very very honest they're not they're not very good Mm -hmm. um they're pretty pedestrian uh and they're great they're they're also hilarious and um like quintessentially my dad and then uh like so just the other thing i would say about this story is that like it's the kind of thing that i think people would see and also be like there's no way all of these things actually happened um and that that was kind of some of my how i dealt with it as well but then as i dug more and just found out like this is what actually happened like um the more the more things like that happen i was like i just think i do have to tell this story mm-hmm. and so in, in looking through his things the the other thing that i found of his writings uh, besides those poems was uh he had a he had made a, a handmade envelope out of a health and safety form from his work he was a janitor his entire life at the bulk mail center in cincinnati i uh, like the, at the postal service mm-hmm. Um, and what I found was this, uh, this handmade envelope and inside of it were five by seven index cards, which I don't even know if I've ever seen before, but they're huge. Um, and there are about 14 of them and written on them was, was a speech that he had written to give at his workplace. And this the speech that was written on them was a speech that was dealing with another suicide attempt of his. This was the suicide attempt was two years before I was born. Uh, My brother was about, uh, was over a year old, just over a year old when, when he did this. It was the day after Thanksgiving and he jumped off the tallest bridge in Ohio, uh, in Cincinnati and he survived. Um, and, uh, and then Six months later, he he wrote this speech that he was going to give at work, addressing this event. It just sounds crazy, but it's just true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, let, no, I don't. I actually don't know if he actually gave the speech or not. You know, he could have just written it and just was there. Um, and I haven't been able to verify one way or the other. Uh, but he wrote this speech, and just in very plain terms, was was addressing what happened, why he did it. How he's better now, um, and it, the whole speech was like he was part of the safety committee at his work, and so he was just talking about how, in order to to, to be safe in the workplace, you also have to have good morale. And so the the, the poem was, or sorry, the, the speech he titled it "Morale and Safety." Uh, and and when I found this speech, I just realized um, my dad had given. Like giving me this this uh this very real honest and ridiculous and quirky way to to kind of talk through this this event mm-hmm. um that could have very easily meant like I never existed you know um and so I was, that was kind of the impetus to be like there's i I have to I have to actually finish this now mm-hmm um, and so that is that speech is basically verbatim in the screenplay oh, wow. and, it, and it is at least the working title of the film until someone tells me otherwise morale and safety morale and safety yeah 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 so wow.
0: well dan I'm, I'm really hopeful that other people can experience this and kind of learn more of what is a, a very full and complex life and i'm really grateful that you were willing to share a little bit about that and how it has shaped you along the way
1: too. So yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for the you know, opportunity.
0: Yeah. we really appreciate it, brother friends. Uh, we will in uh, the post about this, we'll make sure to um, include some links that might be helpful. And um, we'll also be cognizant of the fact that discussion of suicide and suicidal ideation can um, stir similar things and other people along the way. So we'll be sure to offer some methods of support. But Dan, again, we really appreciate you and your time. And I'm grateful to be your friend. Yeah, me as well. Thank you. This has been Instructions for Living a Life. Thank you for spending time with us. We know that your time and your life are precious. Please visit instructionsforlivingalife.com for more episodes and information about our guests. We'd love to hear from you, so please use the contact form on our website. Please also find us on Facebook or email us at stories at instructionsforlivingalife.com. Like and follow us on social media, and please share this podcast with your friends. Our thanks to the talented Danny Bracken for the use of his music. To hear more, visit lowlumens.com. Again, thank you for inviting us into your story. We're grateful for you.